Curious Naked Diatribes. Welcome back to Curious Naked Diatribes. If you're new to this podcast, this episode is the third and final part of our series with Dr. Chinsira Davis Kahina, director of the Caribbean Studies Association. In part one of the series, Dr. Chen gave us a historical sketch of the United States Virgin Islands and talked about a successful nonviolent coal worker strike led by Queen Kaziah in 1892. Queen Kaziah was also a bambula dancer, which allowed her to organize the strike through the coded messages of the dance, as Dr. Chen also explains. In part two, we learn about Rothschild Francis, Hubert Harrison, Leona Brady Watson, and Marianne Golden Christopher four Virgin Islanders who would become influential figures in North American life. If you'd like to listen to the first two parts, I'll leave links in the show notes. In this final part of the series, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn. We'll learn about the political status of the U.S. Virgin Islands, its relation to the United States. We're also going to hear about the ways the islands have dealt with the reality of climate change as Virgin Islanders struggle for climate justice. I asked Dr. Chenzira to explain the political status of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Are they considered a state or a commonwealth? Unincorporated, non-self-governing territory of the United States of America. We're going to say that all at once. Unincorporated, non-self-governing territory of the United States of America. So all of those terms are really beautiful terms, right? But at the end of the day, when we do like the Twitter version, colony. We use U.S. dollars as the currency. The persons here, while they cannot vote for the presidency of the United States of America that does govern and is the sovereign entity over the Virgin Islands of the United States, we can't vote for the president, but we can pay taxes to our Internal Revenue Bureau through, of course, the Internal Revenue Service, right? There is selective registration for persons between 18 and 35. And so many people serve in the military. They serve in the U.S. military. However, we don't vote in the elections. And we know, and what is that other phrase? Taxation without representation is, okay. We have a representative in the U.S. Congress, a very active representative I want to highlight, is doing what can be done, even though she is not a voting member in Congress. And some of the most powerful committees in Congress, right? And I know that there's actions to shift that. There's been a whole conversation around the insular papers and affairs and so forth. There's been a conversation around the whole movement of decolonization and self-determination. There's an actual site called a people's historical journey to self-determination, which is amazing with information from papers pre-1917, indigenous documents, all of the constitutional convention publications, because again, we don't even have a constitution because the way that people have perceived the constitutional rights of the Virgin Islands, because it is under the sovereign rule of the United States of America, this constitution can be prepared, it's been prepared five times, and it has not met the criteria, let's say, or the approval, let's say, 
of the U.S. Congress. Why should the Virgin Islands, 100 years after transfer and purchase, with no inclusion of the, of the inhabitants at the time, continue to ask permission from who purchased the islands and has benefited in the trillions? I used to say in the billions, but now we know that the U.S. dollar has shifted, so in the trillions, right? And and it's continued, this continues. So that's why when people say unincorporated, non-self-governing territory of the United States, you know, that doesn't sound so rough. When you say colony, though, and you're speaking, you know, we're still on the list in the UN. You know, in the UN from the 1950s and more formidably in the 1960s made a declaration, there are to be no more colonies, territories on the earth. And from 1963, which is another anniversary we have this year. Right. So it's interesting you asked that question. You know, and there, and again, it's funny. Also, there's going to be a debate. Uh, the election system of the Virgin Islands is celebrating its 60th anniversary, literally really active all year and showing a lot of doing some wonderful debates and roundtables and sessions around the progress of governance. I can't independent governance because we're not independent but just governance here in the Virgin Islands. And I know this week they're going to be having a debate on some of these same issues, right? Around, around how do you, you know, how do you speak to these pieces? How do you speak as if you are independent and you have all these rights, but you're not an American really, you have a blue passport, but you're not really American unless they say so. Because people will really quickly say, well, we bought you for $25 million in gold in 1916, and it was transferred ceremoniously March 31st, 1917. You don't have as much say because we purchased you. So, and that's the other part that makes it weigh in a little different. Good question. I like that question. In 2017, the year of the transfer day centennial, the Virgin Islands suffered two devastating blows within two weeks in the form of hurricanes Irma and Maria. I mean, we had our own centennial double hurricanes that destroyed not only the space, but the mindset of people. And it created another layer. And I call it an invasion because there's persons that were supposed to come here and help after, you know, what it is called disaster relief, but they never left. And they created a whole new community, a whole new economy that has created a certain type. And I don't just put it on those persons, but the agencies and the institutions and the Americanisms that allowed for that. So that what ended up happening is persons that were here and completely you know, disconnected to their, you know, their houses were destroyed. Many of us, some of us lost two homes, you know, and just the catch back and the moving forward became very challenging. And then other persons were able to come here and make, you know, and have $300 a day for housing and $200 a day for per diem and still make $100,000 a year. And doing that for a couple of years, they could come here and they could buy and purchase. And so it created an inequity that people don't like to talk about. But disaster capitalism is real. It, really, it is real. And it influenced that what was happening in housing and healthcare and education, you know, food sourcing, you know, food security. That became an issue. And utilities, you know, it was overtaxing. The environmental piece that kicked in is what took place, particularly in St. Croix, 
with that ever so long-standing second largest oil refinery in the Western Hemisphere for a long time. That started with Hess, became Hovensa, shifted when Hovensa couldn't get its way, and they just kind of they just shut down shop and created another layer of socioeconomic engagement that was grounded on environment. I call it environmental terrorism because they knew the thing that they were doing to the to the soil, to the air, to the water, and they were allowed to kind of get away. You know, bankruptcy to me is bankruptcy, yes. But if you go bankrupt and you don't clean up your dirt and the killing and dismantling of people's lives, I think you should still, whatever resource you have, even if it's just you come and you clean it, that needs to be done. So that transpired into the coming into what became Lime Tree. And then Lime Tree had, you know, they inherited all this chaos. So we had situations and emissions that were so violent that the EPA had no choice but to shut them down. And the people rose up. This usually pretty quiet people, and it was mostly women, sounded very similar to the Queen Marys of 1878, the Queen Brefus of 1733, the Queen Kaziahs of 1892, and just women, when we have had enough, it done. And that took place, you know, and that was, again, things were shifting between 2017 after the hurricanes, you know, Irma Maria were... It was the wildest two weeks and it shut down the entire economy. It was, and then for that to take place and people still kind of limping along. And then in 2020 to deal with the pandemic, people still have, people still have blue tarp on their, on their roofs. Some houses are just been left abandoned since 2017 and it's 2023, right? And the environment has felt it and the environment feeling it means that we, the people feel it too. So why am I bringing the Virgin Islands and the Caribbean into focus? It's not just because I spent a significant amount of time there. I'd worked in the tourism industry and witnessed firsthand the attitudes, often racist attitudes, shared by many visitors, complaining about and avoiding the locals, and many businesses tended not to hire locals. It became clear to me that those who benefited most from the tourism industry were not the same folks who actually lived there. It was this inequity Dr. Chen spoke of that I wanted to understand and talk about in my first podcast. I spent three years speaking with Virgin Islanders and sharing their stories. And now that I'm back in the U.S., I realize how important it is to maintain those connections. The last few years have seen stronger and more frequent hurricanes. And we also know that those living in coastal areas are particularly vulnerable. Now here in the U.S., there's all this hysteria about immigration and those complaining are typically the least likely to examine its root causes. As we contend with climate change and sea level rise, we'd better understand that climate refugees may be arriving, and we're going to need to know how to respond. We learned from Dr. Chinzira that Virgin Islanders are paying taxes to a government that ultimately doesn't offer full protection or voting rights. It's no wonder so many are questioning the relation to the U.S., some call the Virgin Islands an unincorporated, non-self-governing territory of the United States. Others call it a colony. I hope you enjoyed this series with Dr. Chenzira Davis-Kahina. 
You can find out more about her work with the Caribbean Studies Association online at caribbeanstudiesassociation.org. I'll also link to Dr. Chen's YouTube channel, AST Speaks, and her personal website, chenzirakahina.com. You can contact Dr. Chenzira at astspeaks at gmail.com. I hope you found this episode helpful, and I hope you'll stay curious and stay tuned. Curious Naked Diatribes is a production of Javi Media. New episodes first and third Tuesdays. You can get in touch through info at javimedia.net. Javi Media.